Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today's episode is 257, um, so which is nuts. So thank you everyone who has listened so far. So today is a guest that I've wanted to get on for quite a while, and I'm delighted to have had Sean Stafford on. Um, so Sean has grown a massive, massive uh, fitness empire himself. He's been, grow, grew up in a military family. Health and fitness has always been a massive part of Sean's life. He played uh, sport at a very high level uh, across college, school and college he started lifting weights and fell in love with it he went on to, within the first 18 months he became a British European and pro world champion in men's physique uh, within the kind of WBFF and he kind of competed for about five years professionally and then this kind of led on to helping as a coach and helping hundreds and thousands of people and he has owns two facilities now in London called City Athletic and he which is one of the the, the UK's one of their most repu- reputable uh, reputations and top gyms and facilities uh, in the UK and now he works with a small number of clients himself he has an amazing family and we talk about that side of things himself and the kind of like the importance of like the lessons he's learned from growing up in a military family how that shaped him from going to boarding school from kind of like the like does he always need to have a goal like how does he turn off and does he always need a goal to actually strive for and the importance of his family uh the element of a you time is does he book that in for himself or is it just one of those things when he's more content which is a huge insight in how uh, sean's mind actually works and the importance of kind of like what to do if you kind of get injured and how to readapt and actually a great tool is in this so listen to that bit if you're some someone who struggles from missing workout guilt listen to that side of things coming back from injury uh sean had uh, surgery on his shoulder about eight years ago nine years ago and he talks about the 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 side of that side of things for himself what he likes about the industry now what he doesn't like about the industry now and what he would change and what to actually look out for if you're on a gym floor looking for out for a coach we we there's so much in it and i hope you guys enjoy the episode with sean and head over to to sean's uh instagram page for if we really really so tips over his facebook page facebook page and i hope you guys enjoy the episode with sean stafford sean how are we sir great thank you mate how are you thanks for having me no worries at all long time uh listener to your podcast a long time follower and stuff like that so it means a lot that you've given up some of your time to kind of have a chat with myself so i know we are kind of tight for time so i'm going to get you to give us a little bit of a short synopsis uh a little bit of an elevator pitch uh for yourself and tell us about yourself and how you kind of got into from military background or military family should i say to where you're at right now um yeah i think when it comes to my upbringing it it wasn't necessarily super standard um my father was in the military and sort of from a very young age we were used to traveling around the world you know if, if people are familiar with sort of the army style of life it's you have a posting sort of and you, and you move house every two years to and, and with us it was kind of moving country every two years so before the time i was 18 i think i lived in 10 different countries on four different continents so like it was a very um a very worldly kind of start to my life um then i went to university studied geography and economics at university played a lot of rugby ran a lot of track and field discovered the weights room um and then when i kind of when i finished university had the choice of kind of going and getting a proper job or continuing with kind of my new passion of fitness and 
training and coaching people and decided to go down that path um, rather than going working in a bank or becoming a lawyer or a doctor or anything like that. And then fast forward 10 years of being a trainer um, in the city of London, I decided to uh, open up my own uh, health club business. And we now have two, two clubs, one in Victoria, which is where I am today, and uh, another one in the city of London. Uh, and we have two clubs, four or 500 members, 20, 25 trainers, and it's, it's a great job. It's a great life. That's mad. That's some that's some some empire you've built in a very short space of time. Um, in relation to kind of like the military background and stuff like that, has there there must be elements of that that has kind of stood to you in what you do now and the kind of like the the regimental side, of it, particularly with your training and kind of bringing that into athletics and stuff like that. Kind of what are the biggest lessons you've kind of learned from that background? Um, I think it's, I think probably most people that come from a, a relatively military background is that. I think the the style of parenting is probably a certain way is is you know it's probably a bit more um a bit more structured and probably a bit more disciplinary like don't get me wrong like my, my parents weren't drill sergeants yeah but it was one of those things where you know they obviously live a very disciplined life so you if anything you just kind of take on board some of the principles by which they lead their lives and you kind of you know you make your bed in the morning you put your toys away you you know you if the dinner's on the table you're down on time things like that so i think that probably from an early age kind of sets you up to be a creature of habit a creature of routine and i think those sort of early formation of habits and getting used to that sort of structure of routine allow you to to build and compound and kind of build a good foundation for, for effectively doing anything you want um i also think because we were we were moving around quite a lot every every 18 months two years we would we would up sticks and move um you know that gives you some level of resilience you know you you're constantly having to make new friends constantly having to you know be the new kid in school you're kind of, you know it's, there's that there's that environment and you know i think my parents probably you know i think i went to boarding school when i was eight years old oh, so, so my, yeah so my my parents could see that my brother who's three four years older than me um i think between the age of him being eight and 12 i think probably those extra moves you know those extra two or three moves probably started to impact him in a negative way so they said you know what now's the time to to put them both into into boarding school and give them a bit more stability and a bit more um sort of grounding and yeah and then i think obviously being in boarding school from eight to 18 um gives you a, a different perspective gives you that sort of almost collegiate camaraderie you're in a you're in a house with a load of your mates you just play sport all day you do your homework but it, it teaches you to be very independent and self-motivated and i think that's something that i think if people know me they would absolutely describe me as somebody who is very independent and very self-motivated do you always need something to reach for like do you take stock and kind of reevaluate often or do you always need something to kind of hit whether it be like a kind of like a target to get an x amount of new people into the gym or a financial target or a pb for the gym or something like that um i think i'm potentially over the last if you're taking a me like a mean of the last 20 25 years i'd say that's probably the overarching there's always something which i'm working towards yeah. whether it's uh, an intentional 
ploy, or whether it's just something that is the way I am. I always like to be working towards something. I always like to be moving forward, progressing. I get a lot of enjoyment out of what I, what I do. So um, there's always going to be that level of trying to, you know, if you're enjoying it, keep going, take it as, as far as you can. Um, I think probably in the last couple of years, especially since, um, since COVID and, you know, having another kid and all that sort of stuff, I think the self-reflection isn't necessarily about what's next. It's kind of enjoying, you know, taking stock of what we've got, being a bit more present in the moment and, and kind of in, enjoying that a bit more rather than always searching for the next kind of dopamine hit of success or the next kind of point on the CV that's going to, you know, I'm, you know, I'm very, very, I'm a very content person. Like I, I, you know, my happy place is taking my son swimming and going for breakfast with my family and taking the dog for a walk and all that sort of stuff. But I think I also do like to have that something else going on, which is always kind of moving me forward. And how do you go about setting those goals for yourself? Do you kind of go small or which was what some of the books would say, or do you go very, very big? Like I had someone on before we spoke and they're like, Mount Everest or six miles in six days in the Gobi Desert and they're like big, big, big goals. Yeah. Do you go smaller? Do you kind of like go big, big or do you set like four-year targets or? I'd say I do a bit of both. So I think there's obviously the overarching um, from, from a business point of view, there's like the overarching success level of the business, which um, is, is always, uh, you know, that's my nine to five. That's I come in every day and we work towards a, a, a large long-term strategy. And obviously you take the macro, you break it down to the, the meso, and then you break that down to the micro so that you get those actionable sort of weekly, monthly, quarterly goals and targets and, a, and an action plan that way. But I think in terms of um, just other stuff in life, it, it's, it's a bit on the fly. So, you know, take physique, for instance, which has always been quite a big part of my life. You know, I'm probably in the worst shape I've been in in a long time right now, just because my motivation or my head's not really in it. And and I've been kind of, you know, I got quite into Netflix over, over lockdown, having never really watched TV. And with Netflix comes bars of Tony's Chocoloni and pop chips and all that sort of stuff. And there's obviously that, that erosion of the habits that got you to look a certain way and that modification of the habits. And I'm a big believer in, you know, if you take somebody in the way they look and the way they can function in terms of physically, it is a direct result of their nutrition and their training. Yeah. Right? And there's, that, that, that's, that, that is, there's, there's no, there's no other, you know, their training and their, and their nutrition determines how they look and feel. And I think that the the way that I am now, right now, is my training has been off and my nutrition has been off. And therefore, I suddenly now feel that I'm at a point where I'm off. And so there's a, a, a correction needs to be, you know, made. So it's a case of, okay, no more Tony's Chocoloni on the sofa. Even with my training, it's just a case of commit to doing something every day I'm at work, whether it's a 30-minute spin, whether it's a, a squat session, whether it's you know, go and hit 45 minutes on the bench doing something every day that's going to make me a little bit better tomorrow than I was today. So I think that's going to hit home for a lot of people. Because <laughs> sometimes people can almost feel like if the people are looking at social media and they see like the people who have come from, say, a physique background or PTs that they don't have off days, Sean has just said 
Sean's human too. Uh, and it's, it's okay to have those times where you're on it, but it's about doing something, anything, when you're kind of having those off days. I think that's that's huge. And how has kind of the importance of having you time with kind of like the new addition to the family? Congratulations, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, your stories of your kids and stuff like that are brilliant. And the real that's, that's, that's the good stuff, right? Yeah, it's amazing to see. Uh, and they're a massive part of your life. And how have you made sure to have you time booked into for yourself? Like you talk about like the, the, the time that you're being present or the times that you enjoy the most or like when you're walking, when you're bringing your son for a swim or you're going for a walk with mm. the dog or whatever. How about the, the you times yourself? Are you quite regimental on that? Um, not really. I think um, I'll be honest. Like I spread myself pretty thin, okay. right? As in I've got, you know, there's a lot of commitments going on, whether it's the gym business, whether it's the sports nutrition business I'm involved with, whether it's my wife, whether it's my kids, as in I very rarely feel like my time is actually my own in terms of in a day. I probably get during a working day, which is probably 10 hours on average, I probably get an hour to myself where, and, and that might be, an hour on the gym floor where I'm training myself, or it might be an hour where I'm, you know, just scrolling on Instagram or reading, you know, playing fantasy football or, you know, reading, reading the paper or something like that. Do you know what I mean? But it's, I'd say like, I would never really, I would never really book in Sean time. Really. I think it just kind of, I grab it as and when I can in in what is normally a very busy schedule. Like don't get me wrong. Like I think, in the last six months, my wife and I have both made a conscious decision to do less at the weekends. Okay. To, to not necessarily have loads of things booked in. So not necessarily have something booked in in the morning, something booked in in the afternoon, and then something in the evening. It's a case of there'll probably be one day on the weekend where we genuinely have nothing to do. You know, where we where we where we we don't have to go for lunch with friends or we don't have to meet up with family or we don't have to go to a birthday party or et cetera, et cetera. We we try and have at least one day where we get up and it's kind of like, what do we feel like doing? And if we feel like doing nothing, we do nothing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We go for a coffee and we go for a walk. Or, you know, we sit we sit down and we watch Netflix or whatever. In relation to the, the kind of the podcast that you've you've had, who's been the the, the the your favorite episode that you've recorded with because there's some massive names and anyone who's living in Ireland like Peter Stringer's been on so go listen to that episode the man has got a better nick since he left rugby I, I see that all the time because rugby is not a sport which is and I know this because I was at a boxing match last night with a load of rugby players like boxing like rugby is not a sport which is conducive to people being in top physical shape just because it is a battle of collisions yeah. and you're constantly battling injury as well. And also your, your fighting weight for rugby is very different to your fighting weight for the beach. Like yeah. your, your, you know, what, what necessarily, what people would think of as being in great Nick, like on the beach, lower body fat, et cetera, et cetera. That isn't your friend on a rugby field. No. So the, the, it doesn't surprise me that people, especially people that are naturally, gifted and physically athletic like strings right doesn't surprise me that he is in much better nick now than he was when he was playing yeah i think i there's even if you go and uh go to the rugby matches and you see like the old pros and stuff like that it's 
from where they were on the pitch to the side, like Leo Cullen would be the perfect example. He's very, very tall, but like he was this when he was playing for Leicester and Leinster, and now he's like this. So it's, it's very, very different. Who's been the favorite person, or what's the biggest lesson you've taken yeah. from the that the podcast that you've you've and you've interviewed? Who was my favorite? I don't know. I'm trying to think. I, I genuinely, I, I did so many episodes. I'm trying to think. Like who who did I have on? Do you know what? It's, do you know what was um, probably. Probably one of my favourite episodes was Joel Corey. Do you know the DJ? Yeah, the DJ from Geordie Shore. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. So I, I've known Joel for years because uh, we were we were at Optimum Nutrition together. Um, and I knew him. I didn't know him from Geordie Shore. I knew him from physique com- competitor. You know, I knew him as a physique competitor, um, as an Optimum guy, that sort of stuff. And I always knew that he did a little bit of DJing on the side and all that sort of stuff. So then to kind of see like his meteoric rise and I actually caught him on the podcast, like just as he'd had his first UK number one and then kind of to just have like a really like two mates sitting around having a conversation about like, what is happening? And then to see where he's gone from being like just starting to make it to then going into outer space has been unbelievable. Like it's, I was, you know, I'm so proud of like, cause I saw how hard he was working behind the scenes, like, you know, flying to Alicante on a Wednesday night, oh, you know, DJ set overnight flight to Ibiza overnight flight to here, there and everywhere, you know, just putting in the graft for so long without any recognition. And then all of a sudden drops a couple of bangers and he's a global superstar. It's brilliant. It's a, it's amazing. I think because people would say that, or people could put the label of always oh, an overnight superstar, but people don't see that element. It's like Ed Sheeran's in Ireland at the minute and everyone's trying to get him, but you're yeah. like, you don't forget. You see the videos of him busking on the streets and, and there you look at him now. Um, yeah, no, so I, 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 I would very, very much believe, if you said there's no such thing as an overnight success, I would, I would believe that because all of the people that are overnight success, there was five years of work that was going on before they made it like very, very, very few people. We're talking like, you know, the million percent are the guys that just get lucky and boom, blow up for whatever reason. So you're a true believer that you kind of make your own luck rather than it's anity. 100%. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You've got to be in the right, you've got to be in the right place at the right time. And also you've got to put yourself in a position where you're open to the opportunities and able to take advantage of them. But that's what I'm saying. Like to be, to get those things aligned, doesn't happen by accident no i would tend to tend to agree in relation to kind of like with the, with the training side of things i think one of the big things like you're struggling with your, your kind of your chest and stuff and you've had shoulders injury shoulder injuries and you've probably got old rugby injuries and stuff taking rest and feeling guilty about missing workouts and stuff is one of those things that i think we all struggle with mentally how do you bring in advice for yourself about coming back from returning from injury and how to like skate it back and not letting that whole thing of ego take over, which is the hardest part. How would you kind of advise that for yourself and then practical advice for John and Mary down the road? I think it all comes down to having like a, a slightly sort of helicopter view of the situation. I think when you're living in it, it's very, very easy to get, you know, not see the wood for the trees and you know you you live in your own experience day to day so you don't see a bigger picture and i think it's really important to take that helicopter view of you know recovery being a three to six month process rather than being a three to six week process because it's one of those things where as long as you're taking the small but significant steps 
daily, every other day to make sure that you're, you're getting better and you're, you're fitting into that master plan, that, that progression where you're going to get better. But those six months, they, they go in a heartbeat. When you're, looking, when you're looking forward at them, it feels like forever. But when you're looking back, it's like it genuinely went in a blink of an eye. So it's one of those things where it, it, it really boils down to your discipline, your resilience, and then having a really good plan. And for people with injuries, I cannot stress the importance of getting help from physios, osteos, rehab specialists. You know what I mean? There are, there are guys and girls out there that have spent seven years at uni learning how to help people re- return from injury. And it's one of those things where if it's important to you, invest the money. Inve- invest the money once a week in, in having a physio who can not only put together a plan for you that you can then follow and you know is doing you good, but can then also take ownership and outsource that level of anxiety and stress around something that is very important to you, such as your recovery, you outsource that responsibility to them, to somebody who is trained, who is competent, who is qualified. And then it allows you to just focus on doing what you're told, which as a human is much easier than having to second guess yourself. And why do you think people are reluctant to actually outsource it and actually listen to someone else's opinion on that strange. It's genuinely it's very strange i don't know um it's it's something that i i've always i'm a i'm a coach by nature right so i've you know i've been a trainer for 20 years so it's one of those things where i believe in coaching and i believe in expert advice and i believe you know it's basically my business is this so it, i live by the same thought process that i believe in and it's a case of if there's somebody better in a better position to help you and you can reap the benefits of their knowledge, their expertise, why wouldn't you? And it's certainly, and a lot of people will go, oh, well, it's expensive. Physios, 60 quid a session. But it's just kind of like, it's, it's all about where you prioritize your money, right? And where you prioritize your spending and what's important to you. Because, you know, I'm sure if, if it was really important to you and you were spending, you know, I don't know how much, you know, physios in London are probably 60 quid. They're probably less in... They're around the same here in Dublin. Okay, yeah, but in say in the Midlands or in Scotland yeah. or in Wales, it'd probably be a bit less, but it's a case of like invest the money. It's, it's, it's not spending the money, it's invest it. Take it from somewhere which is not going to be so important to you and spend it on something that is going to be more important to you. And that's just basic economics and basic sort of life management, right? It's what is really going to move the needle in terms of your well being and your happiness and then dedicate your resources there. I think the big thing that we think we've all been guilty of when you go to the physio, not doing the exercises that they give you either at the end of it. That's that's the bit. I've done it before when I was younger and you're just like, I'm paying for it now. It's like yeah. my, my ankles are gone. Um, what, what I did when I, when, I was, um, when I was recovering from my shoulder reconstruction, which would have been what, eight years ago now, seven years ago now, um, I, I did um, I did two set. Well, I did a session a week with a with a trainer and that with with a physio, and then bumped up to two sessions a week. But what I did was I did uh, 30, 30 minutes of the session, sort of the manual therapy, where like they would you know soft tissue, acu, release, whatever they needed to do to make it sort of manually work, and then I would have them run me through, as in do the do the thirty minutes. The second the word, the, the as a, they were basically my, my trainer but you know doing you know those really annoying rehab exercises but you know having that 30 minutes where they actually run you through it at least once a week i found was 
massively helpful because then you've got to only repeat what they've done with you another two times and you're done. It's a very good, it's very good advice. Yeah. Cause it's, it's so much easier to have somebody there doing it with you once a week. And then you've just got to repeat what they do a couple of times. Done. It's the same as PT. It's the kind of early element of it as well. Um, if, if someone was to come into you right now, walk off the floor and come over and say, Sean, will you PT me? What would be the first thing that you kind of do with them? Would you, would you kind of, or what would be the biggest struggle that you see on a daily basis with individuals that kind of come over to you to ask you for PTs? Like, I want to, is it, I want to look like that? Or is it that I, I mean, issues of food or whatever, maybe what is the biggest thing? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say at the moment, it's probably people want, uh, boils down to they want recomp, right? They want, they want to, the vast majority would be to do some some level of body recomposition. It'd be, you know, whether it's dropping body fat, whether it's increasing lean tissue, whether it's just having that ownership outsourced to someone else. So they've gone, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. I think you do. Can you help me? And it's with whatever whatever it is that they want. I would say the vast majority of people that come to me probably want a, a physique result. Um, but also we get a lot of people that come in and they just want to, they just want to learn how to train more effectively, how to feel better, how to look better, how to move better, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I'll say the vast majority of my clients at the moment are with me for a aesthetic. They, they, they want a, a, a body fat or a, a muscle mass sort of result. What's the biggest barrier you see with people though when they come to the whole headspace about approaching, say, a PT on a gym floor or looking to actually get started? What's the biggest barrier that you see and how to overcome that? I think I think um and it's something which we do very differently here at City Athletic. Um it, I think it comes down to the culture of the personal trainers. Like I think um like we, when we do our sort of our personal training academy. So when we, when we, whenever we take on any new, new staff, we always run them through like a 12 week um, sort of weekly upskilling of what it, what it actually means to be a, a city athletic trainer. And the biggest thing or the biggest barrier to a personal trainer's success in business is being approachable and, and making yourself unapproachable. So we would always say, you know, it's all very well being in the best shape and that will get you so far. But if people are too intimidated and if, you, and if you're not giving out the right energy that you're there to help people, then you will be the, the quietest personal trainer in the gym. And the guys that are going that extra mile to, uh, you know, ask if people are okay, to introduce to them, to find out about them, to see, you know, become people's, become the guy in the gym that people want to talk to just because they want to talk to them. And then, and then, if they if they need help with anything, who are they gonna who are they gonna come and ask? They're gonna come and ask to the guy that asked them how the weekend was, asked them how work's going, asked them how the training's going, everything going okay. Can I help you in any way? You know, the guy that's just is there to help and service the members. They're the PTs that are always the busiest. That the well, the ones that put the personal in personal trainer. They're the guys that are always the busiest guys and they might not be the technically the best trainers. They're almost certainly not the guys that are in the best shape, but they're the ones, they're the ones that have the best businesses and they're the ones that retain and look after and do the best jobs for their clients. In my experience, the ones that are not on their phones. We don't, we, 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 we don't allow phones on my gym floor. 
Yeah, well, we, 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 we do, but none of our trainers are on there. If, if, if I saw one of my trainers on, and I think this is where me still working on the coal face in the business is helpful because I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm on the gym floor for 15 hours a week. Um, and then I'm, you know, wandering around and doing things in the gym. So I see, I see what's going on. And um, I think like if I saw a trainer like on their phone during a PT session, yeah, I didn't realize it. I was when I was doing face to face. When I was doing face to face, you used to see it all the time, and it used to drive me absolutely up the walls. Like you're literally someone Mary squatting, and she can't even squat, and her ankles are about to collapse, or her knees are caving. It's like, please just look at your client. Um, what's what's the biggest thing you would change in the industry right now if you were to kind of go back into it, and if you were to kind of relive the last twenty years of being a PT, nineteen years of age, going back in and saying. What, what would you change? What would I change? Is that two questions? So one is what would I change about the industry right now? Yeah, and then what or, would you change? What would I, or what would I do differently if I was starting again? Both. Okay. Um, what I would do differently if I was starting again from hindsight is I would learn, because I, I kind of got into the whole training from a bodybuilding perspective. Yeah. And I wish I'd got into it from a strength perspective so i wish that when i'd laid my foundations of training between the age of 17 and 25 that, that kind of seven year window i wish i'd really learned to squat deadlift uh shoulder press and you know all the, all of the big sort of power lifting moves maybe even some olympic lifting i wish i'd learned that as the foundation building phase of my my training life rather than chasing the pump and GVT and sets of bench and arms and all that sort of stuff. You know, I think knowing what I know now and about structural balance and the importance of rotator cuffs and balance around the joint and stretching and functionality and all that sort of stuff, I would have much rather have been more functional from an early age than necessarily look like a world champion bodybuilder at 30. Yeah. So I think that's probably, from a personal point of view, that's probably what I would have changed myself. And then if we're looking at a, a wider industry thing at the moment, um, I would say, and, it's, and it kind of boils down to social media, right? I think a lot of people, um, it's very easy to criticize other people and to, to not to almost like knock other people. And a lot of people do it in a way that's funny, but still from an overarching negative position. Do you know what I mean? So like they'll, they'll take a video that someone else has posted and then tear it to shreds and they'll do it in a way that's funny, but it's still coming in a way that you, you're, you're, you're discrediting someone else's content. And I think, I think if everybody was a little bit more generous with the way that they approached other people's positions, their outlooks, their philosophies, whatever. I think, and I think if there was less about thinking that there's one way to skin a cat and that there's one way that's right and there's everywhere else is wrong, um, I think a much more collaborative fitness industry would exist rather than necessarily standalone pillars that are all trying to block, block the sun from each other. There's enough to go around. It's enough to go around. And that's the thing. And, and this is going to sound like a bit of a cliche, but there's, you know, 
if you're good and you're kind, people, you, you, you will be okay. If you, if you, if you, if you, if you've got a, if you're coming from a place of kindness and you're coming from a place of goodness, you'll be okay. Regardless of, regardless of, you're like, no one's ever going to knock you for, for, for coming from that place. That, that would, that would be, that would be my, probably one of my only criticisms of the industry, the current industry at the moment. I really like that whole thing of like if you're kind, like the, the kind of like the, the cream will rise to the top if you're being, being if you're just being sound, basically being nice. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, the the last questions I'm gonna kind of ask is in relation to as a busy parent yourself. I think this this kind of kind of from talking to clients on a daily basis is like how do you kind of when things are a little bit more stressful or work is kicking your ass or one of the kids gets sick, which will happen. Um, how do you kind of adapt your own training or lifestyle or nutrition around those kind of busier times? And what do you do for yourself? It's, it's, it's a battle. It's yeah. really hard. Um, and, you know, if you'd asked me this probably 10 years ago, I would say, oh, make time. You know, we've all got 24 hours in the day. Yeah, yeah. They use a generic <laughs> PT answer. Yeah, but it's 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 one of those things where I think it's probably being a little bit more generous with yourself, right? And understanding that it's not always going to be optimal all the time, and that there are bigger things and more important things than necessarily. Um, and I'm not saying don't invest in yourself and don't prioritize yourself, but sometimes you're not the priority, and sometimes um, business needs a bit more of a focus, or your staff, or your wife, or your kids you know, that needs a bit more focus and it's okay to let that be the priority and to cut yourself a bit of slack because chances are you've built up enough credit in the bank. You've built up enough equity in your own, in your own business that a couple of days off here and there where you can reset and focus on other things that are going to give you over a better, better and more well-rounded overall outlook is probably beneficial. But at the same time, Carve out what you can, you know, as in set yourself realistic um, and attainable goals. Don't don't expect to train five days a week if you're under the pump. Settle for one, two, three. Do what you can. Do what you can to keep yourself ticking over until you're in a place where things become more manageable. Oh, regarding what, and I think that's great advice about scaling it back. It's like kind of when you get injured, it's kind of like scaling it back to actually kind of move forward. And it's kind of like it's a, it's a shorter cycle. And what about kind of the nutrition side of things? Because that's the one thing that I can think, particularly, I think right now is kids are getting so sick because they haven't had, they need infections to like, to reboot their bodies. And yeah, then yeah. they haven't been getting them for the last two years. But if a kid's getting sick and stuff like that, and then nutrition kind of goes out the window. How would you? How do you do it for yourself, or even your even your wife, or whatever? So we're, we're we're from a very we're from a very um, privileged position that we use a meal prep company. Okay. So it's one of those things where five days a week we outsource that stress so that our, we we know that our nutrition is is on point. So you know, I know that I'm getting 2,000 calories of nutrient-dense food and my wife's getting 1,500 calories of nutrient-dense food. It gets delivered to our house. So, you know, so it's it's one of those things where there are solutions out there to make it easier. And you even go, you know, the likes of Fresh Fitness Food, which is the brand I use, but, you know, you can go on muscle food and you can, you know, buy a load of ready, you know, pre-prepared meals that are nutritious, calorie counted, macro based, et cetera, et cetera. And you can do that. You know, there's a lot of simple things that you can do because a lot of the time it's not about access to the food. It's about time, 
right? It's about the, the commodity that you're actually short on is the time and the energy to make the right decisions and to make the right choices. And it's one of those things where there's there's services out there which give you the time back. People do it for you. You you know you you buy a ready meal that is calorie counted and you know how many calories you should be eating. You have one of those done. And what if someone hasn't got those potential financial means to get? So like, I know there's like, we have those companies here, we've got like NutriQuick meals or whatever, maybe you can buy in stores, but in relation to someone who may not have that financial means to go and get those ready-made meals, which they're a blessing 100%. But if someone doesn't have that, how do you kind of like. They are, they are out there and you can get them online. Like you can get, you know, Asda. You, you know, you know, Asda. We don't have Asda, but I, yeah, yeah, but like, I know like, what Asda is. <laughs> like, the, like Lidl, Aldi, yeah, like yeah. whatever it is, there are you know the supermarkets have ranges. So like I think uh, uh, I know Asda has one called Gym Kitchen, and it's like a ready meal, and it's like three, each one's three hundred calories, twenty grams of protein, thirty grams of carbs, ten grams of fat, and it's like there's like five or six in the thing, and they're like they're like one pound fifty each. Yeah, so there are. Do you know what I mean? So it's there. There are. There are options out there, and there are also things like sports nutrition, right? It, you know, meal replacement um, products. You look at you look at how much a meal replacement shake, or a gainer shake, or a protein shake costs. On average, it's probably a pound, a pound a shake, right? If you're if you're buying a big tub or a big bag, and you know that's giving you new quality nutrition. Don't get me wrong; it's not as good as as you know, eating a chicken breast or eating a steak or, you know, that sort of stuff. But from a cost point of view, you know, a pound for 25 grams of protein in a, in a shake versus six pounds for 25 grams of protein in a steak. If we're looking at from a financial point of view, there are more, there are alternatives out there, which are not equally good, but good enough and can also match any, any budget. And also like, Think, think when you're a student, right? I remember when I was a student, I used to, I used to bloody eat tuna from the can. Tuna's like 45p and it's like 30 grams of protein. You said you like spoon it out, loads of lemon, pepper, smash, done. And that's, you know, that's what we lived on when we were a student. So there's like, there's always ways to, to, to eat more aligned with your goals, regardless of your budget or regardless of what time pressure you're on. It's just getting yourself in the headspace where you do what you can rather than doing what's easy. I can't, the, the, the tuna, as soon as you said it, it reminded me of doing like photo shoot prep and I was like, it just bring, it, bring back trauma. I just can't do I'm it. It's on a gag yeah. on a Twitch. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Uh, Sean, I can't thank you enough for so much of your time. I know we're, we're tight for time. So where can people find out about yourself? Where can people find out about your social media and what's coming up next for Sean? Um, so my Instagram is at Sean Stafford. Um, my Facebook page is, uh, Sean Stafford fitness. Um, and I think that's pretty much it in terms of social media at the moment. My podcast is the dad podcast, but, um, at the moment I don't have the bandwidth or the headspace to be able to do it. Um, so that's on the back burner. And then, um, yeah, that's it. If, if anyone's interested in my, my gyms at city athletic, um, but yeah, that's that's me. What's coming up next? Honestly, just trying to navigate my my, my way out of this COVID situation with the with the business. It's I you can know, imagine. It's, yeah. it's been brutal. Like it's been um it's been a very brutal two years. Um, but trying to trying to keep myself, trying to keep my staff, 
all aligned and, and moving the business back to, to kind of where it was and trying to trying to ride out the storm that is the impending sort of financial crunch that is coming is is priority number one. So survive to the end of the year and then we can come back and do this again and then we'll, we'll talk about some more fun stuff. Yeah, I actually forgot about that because I know we, there was one of the bigger chains here have literally halved their, their, their gyms in the last little while, but they put in so much money to get rid of like the swimming pools. But yeah, yeah. to kind of like build it, or get rid of some pools and make it a gym floor, but it just wasn't wasn't viable for them. So yeah, I I, I sometimes because I'm not on the gym floor anymore, so I kind of forget that kind of element of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, um, yeah, it's I can only imagine. So yeah, Sean, thank you so much for for coming on and for for giving so many useful tips. Pleasure. No, it's been a, it's been really nice to actually. This will be this is my first podcast in a long long time, so it's been um it's been nice to get back get back to it and have a, have a good chat. Amazing. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you.